Oh, okay. In case you were wondering, this one's half full. But since my wife drank the first half, I'm okay. But uh, if Timothy drank the first half, no offense, Tim, but uh, I think I'll pass. Um, let's, let's start out with going to uh, Job chapter 42. The message tonight is just lessons learned from people God spoke to in Job chapter 42. Um, I don't know about you, but I've, I've, been, I've heard a ton of messages on the book of Job. Uh, I, can't, I honestly can't say how many. Um, most often, when I hear the messages, I'll hear stuff on the first on the first few chapters, mainly chapters one and two, maybe some stuff in the middle, usually something quoted from Miserable Comforters Are You All, um, and sometimes I've heard stuff at the end, but I've never heard, and if pastors preached on this, a pastor, I'm sorry, I've never heard anybody preach, preach out of, on this, I'm sure somebody has, and I'm sure I've heard it. Um, but I've never heard anybody preach on what I'm, one of the pieces I want to preach on, but I'd like to focus, let's, let's start, uh, first of all, let's pray, and then I'll, then I'll read. Dear Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for the opportunity to preach, I, but I, Lord, I pray that you'll uh, guide my lips, and Lord, just help me not to say anything uh, that you wouldn't have me to say. Help me to uh, say exactly what you'd have me to say, but Lord, I thank you for how you've spoken to me uh, through... Uh, through your word, and I pray that you'll help me to minister uh, to those here and to those here, uh, listening over the internet, and just help me to be uh, what you'd have me to be, uh, and help, help me to focus my thoughts. In your name I pray. Amen. Yes, focus my thoughts, because sometimes the ADD kicks in, and then we're in trouble. Um, let's go to chapter 42, verse 1, and then we're going to read down through verse 11. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. Well, let's, you know, the last three chapters, God's been asked, answering Job's questions with a few of his own. And Job answered God and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thoughts can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered, uttered, understand, uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and I will and declare, unto, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of thine ear, but now I, mine eye seeth thee. Just a little aside here, but Job is saying he's seeing God. There's not too many people that can say that, that they've done it, but it's just interesting. And so it was that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, uh, Oh, wait, wait a minute. Wherefore, wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so it was that after the Lord had spoken the, these words unto Job, then Job said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, Bildad the Shuhite and the other guy. Um, For ye have not spoken of, the, of me the things that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of, the, of me the things which is right, like my servant Job. So this is, so twice you've spoken against me wrongly, and Job has spoken rightly. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, the shortest man in the Bible, and Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded. These jokes are going to be interspersed. They're not going to be, we're not going to set them up. As the Lord commanded, the Lord also accepted Job. And then the, one of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible, uh, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all that had been of his acquaintance before, and they did eat bread with him in his house, and they bemoaned him and comforted him all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold. So they did, so these, these aren't people that God spoke to, 
But they did what Job's friends really should have done after chapter 4. After chapter 4 is when the wheels come off in the book of Job. Um, we're not, that's, not the, that's not the focus of the message tonight, but there's two groups of people, two people specifically, one a group and one, one an individual. Um, the first I want to go over is Eliaphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Now, the first mention of them, and this is where we'll get into, um, get into where, you know, where they actually did right. The first mention of them is when we go to Job chapter 2. And, well, the first mention is uh, chapter, yeah, verse 11. 2 verse 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of the evil that was come upon him, which is all of the, you know, the Sabians and the Syrians and then the Chaldeans and then the house falling, came upon him, they came every one from his own place. Eliaphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Naamathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And then we'll skip down to verse 13. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spoke a word unto him, for they saw his grief was very great, obviously. Um, so the first time we see them mentioned, they did what you're supposed to do when you have somebody in a situation like that. Job's now went from somebody very wealthy to somebody who's very sick, very broke. His kids, are, his kids have been killed, and his wife is in the same spot. His wife's not sick, but she's grieving. Um, so they're in a bad spot. So this instance, they have fulfilled Romans 12, 15. So let's go there. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. It doesn't say anything in there, in there about what they're about to do in the rest of the book of Job. Um, but when, when I was reading that verse, that verse in chapter 42, where it talked about, um, you have not spoken me that which is, you know, that which is accurate like Job, Job did. And I was like, well, if you read, and I went back through and read them all again, if you read most of what they say, like, uh, you know, Christians who, who, who put themselves into this, by the way, both of these people were, you know, saved and they represent themselves in churches and, you know, and sometimes in our own lives. Um, what they said about God wasn't necessary. I think their, their error was more in their omission of what they didn't say about God. Because what they did say about God, some of it was accurate. Some of what Eliaphaz and all those others have said is, is quoted in Hebrews about talking about chastening of the Lord. But as we'll get into it, maybe this wasn't the time and place. Um, so how did they violate God's word? Um, how did they violate God's word? So the first one we'll look, look at is chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9. Um, Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils they are consumed. So they made a leap, which is, you know, would seem to be logical, that they assume, and this, and I'm not going to read all of them, but they make the assumption that Job's got sin in his life. That's a good assumption for you to make about your own life. Be careful making that assumption about somebody else's life, especially out loud. Have your own, keep your crazy to yourself. I mean, yes, there, there are lots of things that if what was in here came out here, nobody would want to really be around me, including my own wife and family. And when, it do, when the filter gets holes in it, then apologies are in order. You know, it's, 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 it can, it's just a mess. The same thing with these guys. What he, what he said, yeah, maybe it's true, but in today's thing, read the room, pal. I mean, the guy just lost his 10 kids. Now may not be the time to stick your bony finger in his face and say, you're in sin. Unless God tells you to do that, in which case, help yourself. 
because they're some of the minor prophets and Nathan where they were told to do that. But I don't see anywhere that where that was done. Um, so just jumping to conclusions, and that's not necessary. That's not the, the all I want to focus on with them. And then if we go to chapter five, so the first thing they did is assume everything in our life is bad, and then the second one is um, Job chapter five, eight through twelve. Uh, let's read verse eight. And I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause. So far, so good. I would agree wholeheartedly with this, which doeth great things and unsearchable. Marvelous things without number, who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth water upon the fields. So, again, this is not in the notes, but our weather is a gift or a curse from God. Yes, we as humans can make it worse. Global warming is a myth. Scientists will prove, disprove it. Our weather is directly tied to our obedience to God. Totally but. That's the, so we got to blame. We got to blame global warming because blaming ourselves is that's, that we just can't have that. Um, but again, that was for free. To, verse eleven: To set the high, things on high that be low, that those which mourn may be exalted to safety. So far, so good. And then verse twelve: He disappointed the devices of the crafty, so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. And I am missing something here. Um, Let's skip down to verse, well, in, 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 the, in the interim, verses 13 through 26, it's talking about the bad things that have happened to Job. And then in verse 27, lo, this, we have searched it, so it, is, so it is, hear it and know it for thy good. Okay, yes, that is true. God does not allow things into our life that are not good. But again, maybe not the time and place. And you're saying, I would never do that. Well, maybe you wouldn't. I haven't met too many people that have lost all 10 kids in one day. First of all, I don't know anybody that has 10 children. So the possibility of me saying something that, you know, saying that particular brand of dumb to somebody is pretty low. But I say some, some things that, okay, maybe not the best. Um, yes, God, this interaction, though the things of God are true, they lack the discretion of knowing how to deal with somebody who's lost everything. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And again, this, there's a lot of these verses that we've all heard preached. We've all heard probably preached together, very similar to what I have, what I'm about to. Um, and go to verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace amongst yourselves. Now we exhort, and then the verse that we all know, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, and support the weak, be patient towards all men. I can most of the time do the first three. That I can do, those I can sometimes do in the flesh. The last, the last one, number four, I can't do that one at all. Be, the be patient towards all men part. Um, but, you know, that talks about a, some things you should do. I would, I would say in this particular case, because Job has watched all he's watched, he's probably pretty feeble-minded, and he's probably pretty weak. Warning the feeble-minded and the weak is not, the, not part of the formula. And we've, we do it. Um, and, you know, another thing in there is knowing, knowing who you're dealing with. You know, there are certain things that you can say to some people that you can't and you shouldn't say to other people. There are things that I can, shouldn't say to somebody who's got that particular sin in their past or has dealt with something very tragic. You just, there are some things you just don't say to some people, and if you know them, you won't say them. That doesn't mean stupid doesn't take over. I, I, am, I have said my share of regrettable things. But when I'm filled with the Spirit, the regrettable things go down are, are less. Um, and, there are, and, and again, just to reiterate, there are things we should say to people who have lost that we, that we wouldn't to others. And in some of this, most of, what, um, most of what these three guys say, go to Proverbs 29. Most of what the three amigos say could be summarized in this verse. Proverbs 29, 
29, verse 11. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Again, if you want to have this, some of the conversation that they had in your head, go ahead, but maybe not say some of these things out loud. Um, and there's a lot of what we say, okay, what I say, that could be prevented if I just didn't speak my entire mind on a subject. Nobody needs to hear what you think about everything. About you know, we don't. Nobody needs to hear what everything you hear need to think about a subject. That's dangerous because there's half of your thoughts that are just wacko, and then there's the other half that are wrong. So maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes, just keep your mouth shut. But you know, in 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 this this is kind of a it's sound. You know, let me just read a few more examples. I'm not going to have you turn to them, but just about you know holding your peace. Uh, but you'll, you'll, I think it'll explain it at the end. Psalm 7, verse 10, my defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. Psalms 59, verse 9, because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. Verse 16 and 17 of 59, but I will sing of thy power, yea, of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and, the, in the re, and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. Psalm 62, verse 2. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Psalms 89, verse 18. For the Lord is our defense and the Holy One of Israel is our king. Psalm 94, verse 24, or 22. But the Lord is my defense and, the, and my God is the rock of my refuge. Again, this is talking about your defense, God being your defense. So if God can be your defense, I'm pretty sure he can be his defense. So if you're dealing with somebody who's like Job, who's just lost everything, let God and his words speak for him, for him and himself. He's not going to audibly come down like he did at the last half of Job. chapter four, of, of Job. He's not, that's not going to happen. The last time that happened was in Acts, and it's not going to happen until the rapture. Now, I really would like to hear the Lord's voice, but it's not going to be to vindicate me out loud here on this earth. That's never going to happen. So if God can take care of you, I'm pretty sure he can take care of himself. So when he's got somebody who's in a situation like Job's, he can help him. Now, I'm not, it's one of those, you know, a pastor gives the example of there's been times he's corrected people who are off in the weeds publicly, and there's times he just lets them go. It depends on what the situation you're in. But most of the time, for at least for me, me and my big mouth needs to be quiet um, and just wait. Um, another one, another, another area, another one that this may seem odd, but let's go to Matthew chapter 6. That has to deal with this same thing. Chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed that ye do not do your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms... Let not thy right hand know what thy right hand doeth. You're, and now you say, this, has, this is giving. You're right, it is. But alms, is, it's a, and it's ministering, so let's, I'm, take, I'm changing the meaning, but without changing the meaning. You'll, you know, I mean, this is talking about giving. We use Luke 638 with giving all the time anyway, and that's talking about personal relationships. So I'm going to do a verse that's specifically talking about giving and mention it in personal relationships. If you're going to help people, do it quietly because you have your reward. Minister to them quietly. They don't need... We were able to do... You have your reward. Sometimes it's... If they say something, that's great, but... It doesn't have to be you, and I'm not saying, and I've done it, but don't, you have your, don't, don't, you don't have, you know, when, you know, we have, we have a situation like we did, you know, where somebody passes away, 
do what you're going to do for them quietly. And in the same thing with, with Job and his friends, if they had just been quiet, the last half of the book of Job might not exist in its current form. Just a thought. Because Job, they might have, Job might have shut up instead of having to answer their crazy. And, God, and it might have, we might have skipped a whole chunk of the book of Job. Who knows? They didn't. We'll never know. But don't let your, don't let your desire to, for notoriety get you in a position where you have to go ask somebody else for prayer so that you don't, uh, that you don't have to. We should be helping them. That we should be helping them for them and how they need to be ministered to. But then another one is. You know, when you minister to somebody, not calling attention to yourself, you know, Romans, and, and the same thing, Romans 12, 12, 8. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him doeth, do it with simplicity, that he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. When you, when you give somebody something, help, or money or whatever, do it with sim- do it do it with simplicity, quietly. Um, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. This is something that sometimes I struggle with. Um, you know, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Sometimes I don't want to be cheerful and merciful. Honestly, um, sometimes I really do want to pray like David prayed a bunch of times. Um, make them so that their children are fatherless. Well, that's, that's not exactly in the spirit of Romans chapter 12. I, I'm, I'm guessing here. They were, and they were miserable comforters for all of this. I, I read the verse. Then Job answered in 16, 1 through 5, and answered and said, I have heard many things, and miserable comforter, comforters are ye all. Shall vain words have an end? No, apparently not. Or what... Or what emboldeth thee that thou answer? I also could speak as you do if your souls were in my stead. Hey, if you were sitting on the, on the dung heap scraping yourself, your boils, and I was sitting there, I could do the same thing. But I would strengthen you with my mouth and the moving of my lips would assuage, should assuage your grief. So Job's saying, hey, I, I, needed, I needed a hand up, not a kick in the mouth. And, and again, my focus really is on the last half of this. Uh, this this one this one these guys are primarily negative, but I think the biggest thing that that God God that God judged them for in chapter forty two was their mercy their, was their description of God's character. They were heavy on truth, heavy on truth, heavy on justice, but they left out mercy and truth. Um, Psalms fifty seven ten for thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth is over the clouds. And over and over again, mercy and truth are mentioned. Mercy is always first. Grace is always first. Uh, John 14, verses 14 through 17. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt... John 1, 14 through 17. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory and the glory of the only begotten His Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and said, cried, saying, This was He of whom I spake, that He that come after me is preferred before me. For he was before me, and this and of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, in their defense, they were before the law, most likely. We don't know when Job was written or when Job lived, but presumably sometime before Abraham or around Abraham. Abraham was the latest he would have been because at the, you know, at, at the end of chapter 42, he lived 140 years after he was restored. You know, some people say he lived anywhere between 200 and 240 years. People weren't living that long after Abraham. So it's got to be somewhere. So he was before the law. Well, yes. But Jesus Christ fixed that. So us as Christians, modern day Christians, we can fix that. So what did, why did God speak against them for violating his character, making vocal assumptions about the lives of others and why they're in the predicament they're in? 
speaking your message without regard to this without regard to the state of the recipient and then calling attention to ourselves and our efforts to help instead of striving for simplicity and then the last thing which i think really got him in trouble was the unbalanced view of god with respect to mercy and truth and grace and truth so that's the first group of people the next one is uh, obviously so is job so 42, verse 7, uh, we'll go back to there again. And so it was that the Lord, after the Lord had spaken, spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken unto me. And then it goes, the things that, that, my, the things that is right as my servant Job hath. Um, so what did Job do that was right? And what did Job speak that was right? So if we go to Job chapter 1, And so it was that the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified and them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of the, all of them. For as Job said, it may be my, sin, my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Um, he did not make bad accusations against false accusations. This is God's commentary on Job. Look at verse 22. And this is at the end after... All of the bad has happened. Um, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So he didn't, make, he didn't make false accusations of God. He did ask questions of God. And he did say, God, why did you let me be born? Um, if I was in his shoes, I'd be saying, and I remember reading one of them, and I didn't write it down as I was just reading through all of them again just to make sure I wasn't. You know, he did say, I just want to die and go to heaven. And that, that's, this is the David version. This is not the Bible. It's on, it was on the right-hand side, but it was somewhere in the middle where he was saying, things are so bad for me. God, are you sure it's the best thing for me to be alive? And hey, when you're in that bad of a state, that's not an unusual question. Um, but he did ask questions. It is okay to ask God questions. Um, God never says you can't ask. Sometimes you may not get answers. Um, it is okay to ask God questions in time of grief and any other time. God never judged him for the questions. Now, what God did do, God never did say what he did wrong. God did say, here's what I can do. Here's all the things that I can do. And oh, by the way, what where were you when this was going on? You know, where were you know who put the treasures in the snow? Well, it wasn't Job. Um, you know, we just saw that on that video. I think last Sunday night or the Sunday night before. Um, but who put? You know, where were you when all this was happening? God never condemned him for asking the questions. And this, and where God, you know, and God never really told him what he did wrong. I, at least I couldn't find it. And if, and if he did, you know, feel free to say something afterwards. But you, you never, but, you know, Paul asked questions. Paul said, you know, can God, can you take this away? And, and he asked three times, and God said no all three times. And then we get the verse that we all know, my grace is sufficient for thee, my grace is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly will I, stop, I'm thinking about something, Wynosaurus's. Winos. Elizabeth knows what I'm talking about. And winos are very dangerous. Sorry. They can be. They can be. Sorry, that's an inside joke that only about eight people know, and if you don't, I may never tell you. But anyway, the, but, but, you know, quite often... A phrase that is often, but we never know. And in this, in this, you know, one of the, it was as I was getting ready for the message. One of the phrases that's in the Old Testament quite a bit is the phrase that ye may know. And it's always, not always, it's quite often 
in the, in the law, it's mentioned all over the place, that you may know. What, that you may know that I'm God. You, here's why you're going to offer sacrifices. Here's why I'm going to destroy the wicked. Here's why I'm going to do all these things. And one of them is the blind receive sight. Why, did you, why, did, why was he blind? That you may know that I can do this. Why do the lame walk? Because so you can know that I can forgive sins. Not only can I heal the lame, but I can forgive sins. Ezekiel's wife died so that they could know how God felt when the children of Israel went and did total wrong. It's very sobering. The people were judged. Why? So, that God, so they would know God. But this phrase, that ye may know, is not used in the book of Job. Job knew some things, but it was never, God never said, so you can know. That phrase is all through the Bible. It's not in Job, though. We don't know. And we'll probably never know why Job went through he went through. We'll never know. Part of it was, whatsoever things were written for time were written through our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. This book is a big comfort. Sometimes it's an aggravation. I get mad when I read you know, Eliphaz, Bildad, and all his buddies saying, I get mad. But I have to read chapter 42 and get my heart right. Um, Job's never given an explanation. He did not. He did get restoration, but he never got an explanation of what happened. Job may know now what happened, but he got restored. Sometimes you may never know what's, why you went through what you went through. You may never know. You may have an inkling. I know some of the reasons why I've gone through things I've gone through. I know some of them. I don't know all of them. But in some areas, God has taken, restored some things. Um, and then, so that, that's, that's one, of the th- one of the things that Job did. He did ask questions. But, you know, if he, he was repentant when he was asked questions of God. Let's go to... And I never saw this because there's a chapter mark. Go to chapter 41. So it's start, verse 41, chapter 41, verse 1. Canst thou draw Leviathan with a hook, or his tongue with a cord, which thou lettest down? You say, okay, that sounds like a big fish or a dragon or something. There's lots of stuff in Job that don't make sense. His, you know, uh, where I think this could be, you know, a picture of Satan. Chapter, so this is the last time God speaks again until verse 40, chapter 42. Verse 34, he beholdeth all high things. He is a king over the children of pride, over all of the children of pride. So when you are proud, you are saying to Satan, be my king today. You know, we used to say there's no king but Jesus. That's what the, that's what the, the revolu- and during the Revolutionary War, that was the cry of the American settlers, no king but Jesus. Well, when you're proud, you have no king but Satan. Satan is not mentioned in chapter 41, but if that's not a description of Satan, I don't know what is. It's like the king of Tyre that's mentioned in the Minor Prophets. It sounds an awful lot like Satan. Um, but then Job answered, so after... God spends 34 verses talking about um, overall about pride. Then Job answered and said, I know that thou canst do everything and no thought can be withholden from thee. So God didn't outright rebuke him and say, you are proud, Job. I don't think. I, I don't read it that way. But Job took it as, I'm proud and I repent in sackcloth and ashes. Job took the wrong that he had done and confessed it. How, how quickly are you able to identify the pride in your life and confess it and say, God, this is wrong? That's something that, is, that as Christians we need to make sure we, we identify. Um, again, Job is not, not condemned, but, God's, but Job said, God, you got me. I was wrong, and here's what I'm doing. Um, 
Uh, what I would like to focus, though, on, and I think I already gave, there's only 15 words that I'm really looking at in the whole book that's kind of stick out to me. Uh, 15 words, chapter 42, verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Um, again, that's only half of a verse. But if you can't live that half of the verse and you're going through trouble, you're going to have a miserable life. It's not you might have a miserable life. You will. And I got news, it's going to get worse. If you can't pray for others when you're going through something, if you can't pray for those eventually who have done some pretty nasty things to you, I'm not saying trust them. I'm saying pray for them. If you can't pray for them, you're going to be bitter and miserable and angry and depressed. And all of those bad things that psychologists will give you a Xanax for, and they'll give you whatever. And I'm not saying for people, what, all I'm saying is, if you're a Christian and you can't pray for somebody who's done some of these things to you, you're in for a tough sledding. Now, you're going to have to pray for them more than once. There are certain situations that I have to pray for every time they're brought up because it makes me mad. So I have to pray for that person and not pray, Lord, make their children fatherless. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying pray for them, not pray, not pray at them. You know what I mean? Job prayed for his friends and they got better. Or, you know, Job prayed for his friends and they didn't get the judgment of God. That, to me, speaks to the character of Job. He's just spent 30 chapters listening to these idiots, running their mouth, and, he can, and saying some pretty... They said, he's in sin, his children must have sinned, and then they, if, if that wasn't enough, they said it again and again and again. And then he can still pray for them. That's powerful. There are people, I, again, I'm not there. There are people I have to pray for every time I think about a certain situation with respect to them. Now, it does get easier, but if I harbor it, <laughs> let me be angry, let me rearrange their dental work, that, no, that's not, that's not Christian. Um, Again, there's, that's only half a verse. But this, this concept is, over, is mentioned again. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 43, you've heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor, neighbor and hate thine enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the unjust. For if, if thou love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do ye not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans? And then verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. So in this verse, in context, in the last five verses, how do you become perfect? You forgive those that are, and you do good to those that have done wrong to you. you can, I can't be perfect. You're right, you can't. You can be perfect with God's help by doing good to those that have done wrong to you. I've never, I never really saw that, verse 48, until I was, honestly, until I was reading. I wasn't going to read that. But if you read that in context, and be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. How? By doing good to people that you really don't want to. Uh, Luke 6. Verse 28, 
Let's go to verse 7. But I say unto you, love your enemies and do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them to despitefully use you. Now, if you read down to verse 38, that's the verse that's often taken out of context when it's respect to giving. Good, given it shall be given unto you, good measure and pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. Again, this, that's, this passage is not about giving. This passage is about interpersonal relationships, which honestly, there are times, most of the time for me, giving is way, writing a check is way easier than doing good to those, than living verse 28. That's way easier than, it's much easier to write a check than to bless them that curse you. At least for me. You may be the, be the opposite. God bless you. I'm just, you know, this is me. Um, verse uh, Proverbs 25, 22. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Uh, Romans 12, 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. And if he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. It does not say, you, doing this will heap coals of fire on his head. Why? Because overcome of evil and not overcome evil with good, but overcome evil with good. How do you, how do you deal with somebody like the three amigos there? You overcome evil with good. You have to. Because our, in, my, you know, in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. That's, I don't know, that's in... It's in, Paul wrote it. Um, no, none of us have anything good redeeming quality. We can't do this by ourselves. Um, you have to have God's help to forgive people who have done. Now, I'm not saying that there are still some things that aren't going to hurt a long time afterwards. Some hurts are very deep. But you should be able to mention them without reliving the experience. Does it mean you have to trust them? No. If every time I walked around the corner, or I walked, if every time I walked onto your front porch and I get punched in the face, I may forgive you eventually for punching me in the face every time I walk on your front porch, but after a while, I'm not going on your front porch anymore. I don't care. I'm not doing it. So if you've got somebody in your life who cannot be around you without being a jerk, well, maybe don't be around them. You need to forgive them. Or you're doing awful things to you, don't be around them. You don't have to trust them, but you do have to forgive them and pray for them. God, you're commanded to pray for them. And you can't forgive them unless you pray for them. Um, this is just a theory, but if Job had not been able to pray for his friends, he would not have been able to handle the wealth that God gave him at the, end of the, at the end of the chapter. Can you think about, there's nothing worse than having a powerful enemy. Think about it. If Job was in the flesh, and now all of a sudden he's got all his money back, he's got all his camels, his, his livestock, his, 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 he and his, his wife's relationship has been restored, he's got ten new children, and it says his daughters were the most beautiful in the world, or in, beautiful in the land. Um, if Job doesn't pray for them, his friends, he's going to use his newfound power to destroy them. That, that's what I would do. But maybe he doesn't get that power if he doesn't forgive them. I, I say maybe. We'll, ne we'll never know, but I'm going to make the assumption that he wouldn't. Maybe there's some things that you don't have in your life because you can't forgive people. That was, again, I, I don't know, but maybe if you can't forgive and pray for them, maybe there's things God cannot give to you because you can't handle them. Um, that may, that's, you may say, that's, that sounds mean. Well, maybe. But if there's things that if you had them, you would use for your ill or somebody else's, it's God's right not to give it to you. Um, is that easy to take? No. Is it easy to think about things that have relive some of those things that you've heard? No. No, it's not. But if you pray for that person, one thing, God can change your heart towards them, and maybe you can forget some of those things, and you can honestly see areas where 
you can not do that to other people. Hurt because you know, like you know, Kirby Campbell, hurt people, hurt people. If you can't forgive other people and pray for them, you're going to hurt somebody else. It might be your children, it might be your friends, but you're going to hurt somebody. It's not, that's because that's what people do. Um, but, you know, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I had to memorize chapter 12 of Romans. Um, easy to memorize. I memorized it as a fourth or fifth grader, honestly, and I memorized it in a, in a month. Um, I memorized it. But living it, that, that chapter is very hard to live. It starts out with, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay, so far, so good, right? Yeah, not so much. Uh, but then at the end, it's talking about the interpersonal relationships. That's the, if you don't live verses 1 and 2 of Romans, the last 19 verses are going to be impossible. Um, so again, I'm not saying it's easy to, have, to pray for those who have an ill will towards you or have done bad things to you, but you're commanded to. It says pray for all men. I couldn't find the verse. I don't know where, why, but I couldn't. Um, the scripture speaks to its necessity because it'll change you. It'll change your attitude. It'll help, you know, there's, you know, one of my favorite songs is 456 in, the, in our songbook. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Sometimes saying, God, I don't know what to do with this person. You're going to have to fix it. Because when every time I try, I make it worse. Okay. You have, so you have so, so that might be Monday. Wednesday, you might have to do the same thing all over again. Thursday, you might have to, Wednesday, you might do it twice. Because you might see that person twice. Hey, <laughs> you know, just saying. Hopefully you're not married to that person, but it's going to, I got news, so you're in, you're in rough shape if that's you, but. Okay. Um, anyway, you're going to be in rough shape if you're married to that person, <laughs> but I didn't intend for that to be a point of emphasis. Um, <laughs> So again, so there's two groups of people that are in, that are in Job chapter 42. We've got the three the three that are spoken to by God. Again, God spoke to them, and Job said he saw him. So I recognize this is before Abraham. So there's some stuff that happened pre-Abraham that are kind of unique, but God spoke to him for three chapters. We have God spoke to Job more than any that's written down more than anybody except Moses. Moses has the whole book of the law where he got it up on top of the mountain. This, Job heard from God for three or four chapters. He's a pretty special guy. Um, but so did Eliaphaz, Bildad, and the other one. I can't really, didn't write his name down, so he's, he's gone. Um, but are you, is your, are, do you fall into their, their category where you're characterized by pride, self-righteousness, self-serving, an incorrect view of God and his truth and justice and no grace and mercy? Or are you characterized by Job, where he had humility and had to pray for his friends and was restored? So all of us, I think, fall into one of those two categories. You can't fall into both. You can't be proud and have the power of God on your life. You can't. So one, all of us do. But it's a place where, so at some point in our life, all of us are going to be in that. Um, and I wasn't going to put this in my message, but I was reading this in my Bible the other day. Um, this is, but Psalms 133. Now, this is nothing. This message is that has nothing to do with Bible preservation and why the King James Bible is the is the preserved word of God in the English language. No, but God didn't have to make His word beautiful to any, with nice pictures, word pictures, but He did. 
um, and this is talking about unity, and this is a psalm of David. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the beard, <clears throat> upon the head that ran down into the beard, even unto Aaron's beard that went down to the skirt of his garments, as the dew of Hermon. And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord God command the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Unity in amongst us. How good and pleasant it is for men, brethren to dwell in, together in unity. We can't be unified as a church, as a family, as yourself. You say, I'm not schizophrenic. Well, you're schizophrenic when you're out of the will of God frankly, because you're feeding, you know, um, we can't dwell together in unity if we're taking a wrong view of God, but if we're humble and we can pray for those bad situations in our life and ask God to take care of them. Yes, take care of them when we need to. Uh, Matthew 15 gives us a solution of how to deal with certain things. Um, but you have to be willing to do that in order to get the fruits of that. It talks about, you know, it talks about in, in the New Testament, it talks about the peaceable fruits of righteousness. To me, this is a beautiful word picture of all, of all the things that is in Scripture. It's a beautiful picture of what we can have if we do what Job did in the end of, in, in, in the end of chapter 42. He prayed for his friends, and he, and he called them his friends. That's the part that just... I'm sorry, I would have a tough time calling somebody my friend who for 10 chapters said I was a lousy person, I'm getting what I deserve. I'm sorry, but they're not coming over to the house for barbecue anymore. They're just not. But Job said they're my friends. So just keep that in mind. It's that verse to me, that chapter 10, or verse 10 of verse 42 I saw it a few years ago, and every time I read it, it really jumps out to me as the power of forgiveness that forgiveness can have in all of our lives. So with that, we'll close, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to have a, a time of invitation. And if God's spoken to you, he spoke, he spoke to me as I was getting ready, but if God's spoken to you, do business with God however he tells you to. And dear, dear Father, I thank you that we can come tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you do give us uh, your power. You give us the ability uh, to forgive. You give us the ability to pray for people who have done some despicable things. But Lord, you do give us that ability. And I thank you for that. And I pray that you'll help us to forgive those. And if we fall into the camp of the self-righteous, help us to not be there. But if we fall into a camp of whatever we, wherever we are, help us to look to you and so that we can have that we can live Psalms 137, 33, and dwell together in unity. I thank you for your goodness to us, and just be with us during this time. In your name I pray. Amen.